Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. This is Nick Hausman, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc. We're going to get to your normally scheduled Winkly episode here in just a moment, but uh, I wanted to tack this on the beginning as I got this news just this morning, October 25th, 2018, 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, this is from the WWE's third quarter 2018 financial highlights. And in it, they note, WWE has operated in the Middle East for nearly 20 years and has developed a sizable and dedicated fan base. Considering the heinous crime committed in committed at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, the company faced a very difficult decision as it relates to its event scheduled for November 2nd in Raida, similar to other U.S.-based companies who plan to continue operations in Saudi Arabia. The company has decided to uphold its contractual obligations through General Sports Authority and stage the event. Full year 2018 guidance is predicted on the staging of the Riata event as scheduled. So there it is. Crown Jewel will go ahead as scheduled November 2nd. Welcome back, Wrestling Inc., to a new, brand new episode of The Winkly. It's me, Nick Hausman, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc., back with a jam-packed Thursday audio special for your ear holes. Full, full, I was going to say jam-packed again, but I'll say full of great pro wrestling content. We got it all for you guys here today. We're going to wrap up the show talking about evolution. We're going to do a match-by-match preview with my special guest that we're going to get to here in just a second. But not only are we going to do that, I also have an interview with Impact Wrestling's Falaba. We also have an interview conducted by Wrestling Inc.'s Andy Malnowski. Very short interview with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley. Also, I got to chat with none other than independent breakout former WWE star, former WCW star, P. 
PCO is going to be on the show today. And, of course, Jesse Collins will be back with the latest views from the turnbuckle. But but we're going to start the show here today with my co-host, the man who will join you back at the end of the show to talk about evolution. But right now, we're going to talk about the news of the week. It is former 20-plus year WWE referee, noted author, Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. Or welcome welcome to the Winkley. You've never done this show. Oh, not this one, but I, I'm glad to be back, man. It's a, It's been a while, and... Uh... Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Just lots to talk about, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, Jimmy, uh, we'll get right to it here. Uh, I was debating to start the show talking about Crown Jewel or Roman, but I feel like it's a, it's a no-brainer here. The whole wrestling world is a buzz. Uh, it's making mainstream headlines right now. It's easily the most traffic thing on Wrestling Inc. People very distraught over the news that Roman Reigns dropped at the top of Raw that he's vacating the Universal Championship to go battle leukemia again. Jimmy, did you even know that Roman Reigns had battled leukemia before? Uh, honestly, no. Um, um, I've met Roman Reigns. Good dude. I mean, but uh, by no means are we like pals or anything like that. So obviously um, not something that he would divulge to me, but uh, a real shocker. I mean, like, uh, you know, I do the show up here in Canada and the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, um, on Tuesday night when we were talking about it uh, before the show, he was mentioning that uh, – he was aware that he had battled that in the past. And I said, wow, man, it's, it's amazing that, you know, he fought it off once and, and hopefully he could do it again. I mean, but that, that, that moment on raw, it's, it's, it was surreal because it touches so many people. It's a subject that so many people can identify with their own lives. And to see these people, someone like, like a Roman Reigns or Joe, you know, a larger than life superstar. We see them on television every day and we forget sometimes that these are real people, uh, you know, and to see that they have like, um, that they're human and they have, uh, you know, issues that they got to go through. It's amazing. And, and, and uh, obviously the support from WWE and, and the entire locker room is there. And, and I know that, uh, um, I am rambling here, but, <laughs> uh, I know that the fans out there that, you know, booed the character of Roman Reigns obviously are supporting the man Joe Anoya so um hard news but I, you know I'm going to I'm going to be one of those people who are going to think positive and, and think that uh, you know he's going to he's going to fight this thing off again and he's he'll be back do you think there there's a lesson to be learned from for some fans here that you know you talk about how they booed the character of Roman Reigns but there's been you know people get a little carried away you know, uh, with these kinds of things sometimes. Do you think there was a lesson learned here for folks that may have really, you know, created a, a genuine dislike for this man and now feel very bad about it? I I would hope so. I mean, like, you know, I always hold out hope for people that, you know, they could see see past the, uh, like, booking decisions and storyline uh, decisions and creative decisions and, and, and be able to differentiate between the character that they're seeing on television and the actual person and knowing that, you know, I, I, a lot of fans have these misconceptions on what goes on backstage. I mean, they get little snippets, uh, you know, of what goes on, but then, you know, sometimes you form this, this, this different uh, ideology of what happens back there. I mean, like for those who thought that Roman Reigns attained the position he got be, for whatever reasons, whether it was politically motivated whether he was rammed down everybody's throat or whatever the 
the thought process might be. Uh, people don't realize that this guy worked his ass off. He he actually earned the position he got. And for those who don't realize it, um, you know, you talk about locker room leaders, and he actually became one of those guys. And and for those who who are who are privy to that scenario, locker room leaders are not voted on. Do you know what I mean? It's not like okay. Uh, who's going to be our locker room leader and this and that. It's, it is something that the locker room gravitates to. It's kind of like, I don't want to put him in the same class as the undertaker. Cause in my mind, the undertaker is in a class by himself as, as JR can attest, but undertaker never assumed that role of locker room leader by saying, okay, guys, I'm the locker room leader. Everybody went to him. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's pretty much the same sort of thing with Roman Reigns. Everybody went to him. It was, um, it was kind of like in OVW, um, when, like I was talking with, uh, Santino or Anthony. And he said when he was in OVW uh, in 2010, he looked around and the only, there was only one guy there where he looked at and he went, who is that guy? And that, that's the kind of presence Roman Reigns has. He, he is that person, um, for lack of a better term, the, the William Regal airport test. Where have like, you heard about this? Yeah. Is, uh, it- Please indulge me. Explain the William Regal airport airport test. Um, the William Regal airport test is pretty much walking through the airport. If people stop and turn and look at you as you just walking normally through the airport, then you have something. If you walk around the airport and nobody even pays attention to you, doesn't even notice you, you know what I mean? You're just another traveler at the airport, you know, then you don't have it that that next level it if you know what i mean yeah i think Shawn michaels mentioned uh something similar i think he has a disney world test where it's like if you can walk around disney world without getting noticed you're not over right Uh, that would probably probably be closer only because disney world you know it's almost like the same audience when you're traveling uh at an airport really you're not paying attention to much else except you hate travel yeah uh well to kind of i don't want to well, too long on this because it's a very sad way to start the show. Um, but what did you think about the choice to have it open raw? I feel like it could have very easily just as I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, we'll get to the, the Ambrose heel turn here in a second. But I feel mm-hmm. like that's a segment that could have just as easily ended raw as, as started it off like they did. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you could have gone either way with it. But I think that hitting it right out of the gate. um I think for several reasons, and, and as we've noticed, and I, and I don't want to make it sound like it's about ratings, but as we've seen in the last little while, the larger audience tunes in at the beginning of the show um, and, uh, you know, before Monday Night Football really kicks in. So you want to get this out to your audience or the largest part of your audience possible. So maybe that was the thought process behind it. I'm not 100% sure, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it did definitely set a different tone for the rest of the show. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we will get to that. We're going to, we're going to put a button on the Roman talk for now. The other big story is of course, uh, what's going on with WWE and crown jewel over in Saudi Arabia. And our own Jesse Collins writes a editorial every Friday on wrestling Inc. called views from the turnbuckle. We've turned it into an audio, uh, an audio segment here on the Winkley. So uh, I'm going to take a deep dive into that story right now with Jesse for the next 10 to 12 minutes. We'll be back on the other side with more from Jimmy Corderas. 
Welcome back to the Views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition. Uh, we welcome back Jesse Collings to the show. Jesse, welcome back to the Winkley. Thanks, Nick. Now, every Friday, Jesse releases a Views from the Turnbuckle editorial over on Wrestling Inc. front page of the site. Last week, it was about the return of Shawn Michaels. You can go back and listen to last week's show. We dug into the merits or demerits of Shawn's return. But this week, Jesse, uh, you weren't talking about like a fun wrestling return or some fun other wrestling story. This week, you were tackling probably the most controversial subject in pro wrestling going today, and that is the issue of Crown Jewel. So I want to start with um, I want to start with comparing Crown Jewel to the Greatest Royal Rumble. What are the tones? What's the difference in tone going into this show as compared to the last one? Well, I think from a controversy standpoint, the Greatest Royal Rumble we really talked about the the lack of women on the show and kind of the hypocrisy of WWE saying they're progressive for women but also not allowing them on the show. Well, I think Crown Jewel it's very different in, by comparison the stuff about the women is seems like not even important this is the you know WWE getting involved in what is essentially a international geopolitical dispute that you know the more you read about it and the more you think about it it's actually just insane that uh, wrestling and WWE has has put itself into this position as being like you know the American company that's going to go to Saudi Arabia and is going to presumably say nice things about the Saudi Arabian government when right now it, it couldn't be more controversy surrounding the Saudi Arabian government. Yeah, I, uh, I should uh, I should mention that the title of your editorial is uh, WWE uh, Why WWE Can't Seem to Stop Taking Saudi Money Saudi Arabian Money. I probably misquoted that. I don't have it in front of me. The original t- title was Why Can't WWE Stop Taking Saudi Arabian propaganda money and yeah. uh, i i wanted that altered because i don't going into this one this time considering all the stuff you've laid out the geopolitical issues the fact that you know women and Sami Zayn are not allowed on the show taking a back seat to you know the more bloody headlines of late um do you think we're going to get that same level of, of propaganda this time around i find it hard to believe they're gonna they're gonna do that considering all the stuff you just laid out I don't know, Nick, and that's what the real interesting thing is about this is, you know, the problem with WWE in Saudi Arabia is not really that WWE has a business relationship with Saudi Arabia or that WWE is having a show in Saudi Arabia because plenty of companies have relationships with Saudi Arabia. Plenty of events are held in Saudi Arabia. Argentina and Brazil just had a big international football match. In Saudi Arabia. So that's not really that different. What's different is that if you watch the Greatest Royal Rumble, it's how much WWE is going really over the top and talking about how great Saudi Arabia is, how progressive it's becoming, Saudi Arabia 2030, you know, women can drive now, you know, they talk about the crown prince in in a really respected tone. And, And that was what is the real problem to me is that WWE isn't just putting on a, another wrestling show. They're being, they're, they're, using propaganda basically for the Saudi Arabian government and broadcasting it to their fans. And I think that's what made it really awkward. And that's what's going to make crown jewel really awkward. And I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to do that this time because they have been more restricted. They've stopped saying Saudi Arabia. Right. I mean, first of all, we don't even know if they're going to still have the show. We're recording this uh, on a Wednesday, on Wednesday, October 24th. Who knows? At one o'clock in the afternoon central time. Yes. Good to know. Yeah. Thank who you. knows? Yeah. This is such a fluid situation. So there's that. So I don't know if we're going to get the propaganda. I think one element is 
is WWE being paid all this money to just have a show in Saudi Arabia, or are they being paid this money to have a show and talk really nice about Saudi Arabia? Right. Because the the you know if you listen to the commentary and all the stuff during the Greatest Royal Rumble, it's you know they don't talk about any other show or any other city uh, like they did with Saudi Arabia. So I think there has to be some component that you're going to, we're going to pay you and you're also got to be nice about, you know, you got to say what we tell you about the, the country. <sighs> and see, I, I think you're, I think you're probably close to the, to the truth here. I mean, we don't really know the details of this contract. What is, what they're obligated to do. Were they, were they obligated to run these propaganda vignettes for the Saudi government? Or was that something that they said they would do, out of good faith to help bring the deal together. You know, I, 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 you know, I wonder, you know, that because, you know, there's the Robbie Fox over at Barstool Sports is <laughs> I've, by the way, never used this man as a source, but some of I hadn't heard about him until <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah. It's like that wrestle votes, Twitter account. Like every so often, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut and you know, it's like, well, that squirrel, he knows how to find nuts. Um, this guy, it was a bit of ahead of the curve on not, not the full truth. Roman wasn't injured, obviously, um, he was dealing with a, a sickness, but the, the, the reports of, you know, WWE becoming frantic to, to find a new venue, maybe not leaving Saudi Arabia. We'll get to the Cena stuff here in just a second, but I kind of get the vibe. And I, again, I don't, man, to be on a, a fly in the wall of the negotiations between the Saudi Arabian government and WWE talent relations, whatever it may be, um, to, uh, to, uh, Oh man, I had my thought and I just lost it right there. But uh, to 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 decide how far they're going to push this thing with the propaganda, it's just I don't know. I don't think they're going to go that far with it. I think that if they're the rumor, if the report here about from Robbie Fox about them moving the location, maybe they keep it in Saudi Arabia, like you say. They they low key the event. They don't add the propaganda to it. They fulfill their commitment of doing a show in Saudi Arabia and get out of Dodge. I feel like that's kind of what we're circling in on as the is the final sequence here. Yeah, I think – well, I think, you know, we we talked about how on Raw they kind of avoided saying the word Saudi Arabia and not really giving the location of the event. I, I think when they're in America and they're doing what, you know, normal WWE does, which is having Monday Night Raw and having all the show – you know, the house shows and all that stuff like that, they're going to be low-key on promoting Saudi Arabia for obvious reasons. But for, for the actual show in Saudi Arabia that, the you know, all the Saudi Arabian officials are going to be watching – I, I think that could probably be different. But like I said, like you said, we really don't know the nature of their agreement. And you might be right. They might have just kind of said, oh, yeah, we'll run this vignette as a nature of good faith and not, oh, part of the deal is you have to run this vignette. Right. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a kind of a gray area. We don't know. We're just speculating at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think you're I think you're right in that regards. But, we you know, I think we're really not going to know until we see this event and, and if this event is going to take place. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow if they – go over the top and do all the same stuff. I mean, it's weird. You know, I've seen this PW Insider reporter this morning, Ryan Satin's run shades of it in the past. I haven't necessarily pushed for us to report on it uh, about the ticket sales not even going on sale yet. Um, or they're, well, they're moving the date. Like, I can't really figure out what's going on with tickets right now, you know? Well, that's weird because the show is not really dependent on, like, selling a lot of tickets the show's already paid for by the government so they're not really worried about oh we need to sell out like they would never you know sell ticket or not sell tickets to the royal rumble six days or, or 10 days before the event they're on sale months in advance so that that's kind of one of the unique aspects of the show is that it really doesn't matter what the ticket sales are because people are going to be there 
regardless of, of, of whether they paid a lot of money to get a ticket or not. Yeah. Uh, ee, I, I just think about that WCW uh, North Korea show, you know, and it's starting to feel more and more kind of like that, where the, the, the seats will definitely be full of people that yeah. are cheering, right? Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the Cena side of this Robbie Fox report. And this is not just this Robbie Fox guy. It's since come out from Meltzer. It's come out from a couple other folks. The John Cena reportedly does not want to be a part of the Saudi Arabia show, does not want to be in the tournament. Uh, same apparently can be said for Daniel Bryan, but I've seen less reporting on the Daniel Bryan aspect of it. A lot of, it seemed a couple of reports coming out about Cena. What's your take on a guy like Cena stepping up like this and, and saying, if it's true that he doesn't want to go? Well, Cena is in a unique position where he, you know, he really doesn't need WWE anymore. He has carved out a really good role for him in Hollywood where wrestling matches aren't really that important to him anymore. Now, he's got – I'm sure he has tremendous loyalty to our organization. He obviously wouldn't be this famous in Hollywood if he wasn't such a big star in WWE. But he has a lot more options than than even a guy like Daniel Bryan who could leave WWE and make money somewhere else. But – for Cena, and he has a lot riding on his reputation. Does John Cena, the movie star, want to be the guy that's, you know, in a vignette talking about how great Saudi Arabia is right now? Is that that has to be on his consciousness? And he also has enough cachet within WWE where he can say, you know what, I really don't want to do this, and pretty much get away with it because. WWE is definitely going to want to have Cena on their future shows. They're not going to fire the guy over it. So he has a lot more leverage than pretty much anyone else on the show. Yeah, man. Uh, just such an emotional roller coaster this week. I can't even imagine being in John Cena's position. You're dealing with this. Find out about Roman. Ugh, just a rough week for wrestling. Um, let's wrap it up here talking the the crown jewel. Jesse, what do you think is going to happen? Make Look into your, look into your crystal ball. Give me a prognostication. What do you, you think is going to go down here? I think the show is going to go on as planned. It's going to take place on November 2nd. It's going to take place in the same arena. I think they will be slightly toned down from what we saw at the Greatest Royal Rumble from a propaganda standpoint. But there's still going to be elements there. And I think WWE is banking on the general public not caring about this in mainstream media coverage. Maybe covering it but not really going all in on it because – you know, with the 24-hour news cycle, the the you know the real mainstream news sources they've moved on to something else. Yeah. They're not going to be still harping on WWE and Saudi Arabia when they already did that two weeks ago. Um, so I think w, in WWE's position, they're just going to be like, okay, this is a bad look for us now, but we can still do this. We can still take the money. I don't think their fan base. I don't think WWE is going to lose a lot of their fans because of this. I don't think the. I don't think a lot of fans particularly care or or, or want to care about this. So I think they're just going to grit their teeth. They're going to get through it, and we're going to be like, well, that was really weird that they did that show. But I don't think it's going to have any real long term negative effects on them, unless you know something really bad happens. Wow. Yeah. I I I think there's. I think you're probably onto something there, Jesse, with that with that sentiment. It will be interesting to track. I mean, obviously, right now in real time, as you pointed out, we're recording this on Wednesday, one o'clock. You know, there's a, a domestic terrorism attack uh, going on across the country right now yep. for different political figures. And CNN, their offices were cleared out. So the pressure on how journalists and journalism are treated is only it's only going to intensify in the next week. You know, and where do you draw the line with working with people who you know have that attitude towards the the press? 
I don't see that as a subject going away and today's headlines didn't didn't do it any do it any favors. So Yeah, I think the only way they, they don't go is if the State Department sets in steps in and tells them they're not. I don't think the advertisers or the networks that they're on, the other big money players in WWE are gonna step up and say, Don't do this show because we don't want our product our, our network or our product associated with a company that's in bed with the Saudi Arabian government right now. I think the only way is the State Department and I don't see that happening. I mean I just, I just don't. I think it's going to go on as business as usual, and we'll remember this as a weird footnote in WWE history. But we'll, we'll you know, we'll even as wrestling fans, we'll probably move on in six months and, and not even remember that Crown Jewel really happened. Uh, this will, you're right. This will be looked back on as like a fever dream, where it's like, yeah, oh, people, I, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, people don't really remember the the greatest Royal Rumble like that. Well, we still don't. We don't talk about that show really at all or, or how weird it was it's only in relation to crown jewel taking place that we were like oh yeah the greatest royal rumble that was a weird event remember when that happened that was only a few months ago yeah uh well uh jesse you got another editorial drop in another views from the turnbuckle dropping this friday on wrestling inc what do you what's what topic are you tackling this friday i think gonna look, we're looking at uh the evolution show and we're looking at kind of how how far wwe women's wrestling has come in the last few years and how far they still have to go and in the future maybe what are some plans for what wwe can do to in- to continue to increase the female presence on their on their shows i dig it jesse where do you want to send people to find you online you can find me on twitter it's at jesse callings that's at j-e-s-s-e-c-o-l-l-i-n-g-s well, we just uh, chatted a whole bunch here about this but jimmy what's what's your take do you think wwe should be doing this show? Do you think they don't have a choice? What What is your feeling on the situation with Crown Jewel? To, to be perfectly frank, uh, you know, my uh, my initial reaction with all that's going on in Saudi Arabia would be, yeah, guys, don't go. I mean, like, how, how can you? But then I'm not privy, to, uh, and I don't know how many people are privy to the actual business dealing that they made with Saudi Arabia in the first place. So I don't know if they're contractually obligated and what, repercussions they may be facing financially if they don't do this show. So maybe, you know, at first I thought instead of canceling, at least put a pause on, on going, you know, like just, you know, we're not, we're not canceling the show. We're just going to, you know, put it on hold for a little bit until things get settled one way or another. But again, I'm not sure what kind of legal ramifications they would be facing if they didn't go. It's not like a, it's not like the uh, the country of the United States can place sanctions on on uh, Saudi Arabia, which I'm assuming they will do. I don't know. I'm not uh, not going to get into a political discussion here. But um, you know, it's not the same thing. This is a business dealing that would between two business partners, and unfortunately, one of the business partners is a kingdom. And I do, I don't know how you deal with that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's so complicated, and it's and yes, it's easy to say, man. Uh, don't go. But at the same time, like I said, I'm, I'm not sure what other recourse. Maybe they do this one and say, OK, you know what? We have to rethink this thing. Now, were you ever you spent 20 years on the road with WWE as a referee? Were you ever put in a position to go do a show that you felt uncomfortable with for any reason? Uh, never forced. I mean, like even uh, when we first started going to to when we first went to Iraq for the tribute to the troops. Um, uh, when I was approached by talent relations, JR at the time, you know, JR flat out said, listen, we'd like you to go. Um, 
if it's it's totally up to you. You don't have to. There's no obligation. There will be no heat if you don't go. But uh, we want you to we want to know that you're comfortable with going because we are going into basically an active war zone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and like and I'm like, wow. Well, let me think about this. And he said, yeah, take your time. You know, and you know, I basically I, you know, I called my wife and talked to her, and we, you know, I, it was something I wanted to do. But you know, you know, you're thinking about hey, what's it like over there? What's it really like, you know? But there were pretty much assurances that we would be well looked after, and we were. So I decided to go, but I was given that option. And I know that there were a few uh, of the of the talent that, that expressed reservations and didn't go, and uh, they weren't hurt by the, the decision, so... Little interesting, interesting situation here, though, because I'm sure a lot of these guys, I'm sure everybody, you know, after the last trip, you know, there was some heat because of the the women and, and Sami Zayn, but everybody mm-hmm. moved on, and there was uh, a silver lining here. Well, each show will take a step forward, a little bit more progress. Well, this one, everybody's on board, and then you know, a, a month and a half out, this new news uh, drops. You know, I I would love to be a fly on the wall because. You know, this is just it's every situation's a snowflake and this one's just a very unique kind of situation. Um, even in the hours yeah. since I finished talking to Jesse and I'm now talking to you, there was more Crown Jewel news. Um, Hulk Hogan talked to the Orlando Sentinel and said he's going with WWE to Saudi Arabia and he may even appear at Crown Jewel, it sounds like. I don't know how that makes this better, Jimmy. I don't know how that makes um, this better. Oh boy. I mean like Trying to compound, uh, <laughs> I mean, see, see that one caught me totally off guard. I mean, like, uh, I, I, I assumed at some point, you know, the WWE would reintroduce uh, Hulk Hogan back. I mean, he's so ingrained in the history of the company and and getting it to where it is today. So I thought at some point, I mean, you, you have to forgive at some point. I mean, you can't, you know what I mean? It's like. I don't know everybody deserves a second chance. I I think, to a certain degree, uh, but I, man, again, this just <laughs> you know I, I I don't even know what to make of it. I mean, it's like <laughs> you know you, you've already got uh, for lack of a better term heat and and tons of eyeballs on you for this for this this trip over there to to Saudi Arabia. So let's throw a little more gas on the fire by throwing a controversial figure in there and send him along as well. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's what, that's what Hulk, Hulk says a lot of things, you know? So who knows? It's just, it does seem to me like if that's the case and I'm with you, you know, everybody, if there's understanding there and apology and acceptance of, of wrongdoing, you know, and you can move past it all, all the more power to you. I don't know that we're a hundred percent there with Hulk Hogan across the board, with everyone, right. and <laughs> this is just not the place to put that step forward, in my opinion, would be Crown Jewel. Um, that would be the best way to say it. It's just that maybe maybe the timing of this is not appropriate. <laughs> uh, well, of course, uh, spinning off a little bit here from Crown Jewel, Hogan also teased a WrestleMania appearance in Nash over the weekend at a Comic-Con, um, Gump City Comic-Con, I believe, down in Alabama. Uh, teased that the NWO may go into the Hall of Fame, uh, this year, and that's why WWE has been promoting them. They've been promoting this NWO reunion. That that's maybe why Hulk's going to go uh, over to Crown Jewel. Do you like the idea of the NWO going into the Hall of Fame? 
I do actually, because you know they they were a significant part of 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 obviously WCW and they're you know taking over number one spot for what was it eighty three weeks? Is that the number? I think it's eighty two um, weeks. I think there's like a whole show about it. Uh, yeah, I, I heard there might be one out there, but I yeah. no. Anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, of course, I think they deserve a spot there because in in making WCW number one for all those weeks, whatever, however many it was, it forced WWE's hand to a certain degree. Uh, it forced Vince to go to the drawing board and basically uh, create new stars because what they did was they took the NWO guys who were basically Vince's creations and turned it into a, a huge moneymaker for WCW. And it kind of left WWE out in, on a limb a little bit. They were struggling a little bit, but it, it forced their hand a little bit. And, you know, uh, I, yeah, why not throw them in there? Yeah. We'll see how it goes. You know, uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, is an interesting character where I feel, uh, you know, like the stock market, uh, someday, some months he's up, some months he's down. So we'll see where everything stands here, I guess, come January or February. Um, He's almost like one of your your financial advisors. Uh, you know, like it sounds like a great idea. Hey, maybe I should invest. And then on, upon further review, you go, "Why did I listen to that guy?" It's the wrong <laughs> wrong time for pork bellies. I knew not to get into pork bellies. Uh, well, um, great great segue, Jimmy. You gave me because let's talk about investments. Because due to the unfortunate news of what happened with Roman Reigns, WWE is in the unique position now of having to reshuffle the deck. You know, they have their franchise player at the top uh, no longer around. John Cena has also recently kind of made a, a nearly full-time exit from the promotion. It's time to get – it's time to shuffle the deck. You got to do something different. You got to replace these characters uh, in these positions. Two big, interesting turns, I thought, on Monday night. Uh, of course, Dean Ambrose went completely berserko on Seth Rollins. But we also had Elias as a babyface confronting Baron Corbin – and the crowd was all about that. Uh, which turn did you enjoy more, Ambrose or Elias? Um, you know, I enjoyed them both. Uh, obviously, I, I, I kind of felt and sensed that the Elias one was coming sooner or later. I mean, people just refused to boo the guy. He's so entertaining. Right. And and that's the, that's one of the challenges of getting uh, so getting the the smart audience to boo a, a good heel nowadays is they're so uh, quote unquote entertained by the performance that they cheer these people you know so um why not but the thing with dean ambrose and i know a lot of people didn't like the timing of it but at the same time it's about creating an impact and getting people talking and boy did they ever and anybody i i assume that people out there were thinking that dean ambrose would turn at some point but i don't think anybody saw it coming on monday night it was and that, oh, it's a mean thing they did, Jimmy. Everybody was emotionally vulnerable, and they went and did that, and they caught every fan crying and confused on camera. I don't know how they did that, mm -hmm. but they they broke they broke the WWE universe on Monday night, Jimmy. Yeah, just when you think that they can't get you, they do, yeah. um, and it doesn't happen often enough. But at the same time, when it does happen, man, it's it it really has an impact, and it's now you're tell me tell me who's not. Excuse me. Looking forward to next Monday night to to get an explanation from the lunatic. Oh, yeah. Next Monday night's gonna be very interesting, and I'm I'm excited about the Lias, uh, babyface run as well. You know these 
these situations are so unfortunate. You know, everybody's pulling for Roman. I want Roman to come back and have that awesome run, you know, after he beats cancer again. But you're stuck in this weird moment now, and you have to keep working. And that was something I was so impressed with on Monday night was just the ability of not just the, the talent, but the creative members of the team to to work through that situation and really put together, I thought, some compelling segments, some compelling TV, and, and put some put some fire on some characters. And, and not just Elias and Ambrose, of course. Uh, they announced that Brock is now going to take on Braun Strowman at Crown Jewel, wherever it may take place, some condominium on the moon, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. But you've got Braun and Brock now. I got to think they're going to finally pull the trigger on Braun and make this guy uh, a giant babyface title holder, a la Bruno or Hogan or something like that. It, yeah, he could be the big invincible guy that they've been looking for. I don't foresee as much as Vince likes Brock Lesnar and and the uh, the eyeballs he brings to the product because he does. And now that he's crossing over back to UFC, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, you put the title on Brock and he takes it over to UFC and it gets. Um, the, unfortunately, the MMA world does not view professional wrestling in the same light. So I don't know if that would be beneficial or not or draw more eyes from that world into this world, if you know what I mean. Um, what I do like about the Braun situation is they've already set up the ready-made feud with Drew McIntyre, who I am huge fan of. I think there was so much upside with Drew, and and I was fortunate enough to see him uh, early in his career when he was just a young lad as the chosen one, <laughs> way back when. Right. And back then, you knew he had something. It's just he, uh, just too young, not mature enough to be able to, to to um, express it outwardly if you know what i mean the tools were all there and he went away for a little while he got you know gained that confidence he learned and to me i think after braun he's a guy as much as i like seth rollins as much as i think dean ambrose can be so uh, to me drew mcintyre could be the next next one and he's the one they've got in the tank i think you're absolutely right i'm a huge drew mcintyre fan you know there were two guys on the Indies that I got to do shows with that dressed and looked apart. And that one was Drew and the other was Harry Smith and both of them incredible talents. Um, but with Drew, I think that he's the one in the tank, right? You look at this, the mm-hmm. table they set on Monday, making moves with Ambrose. You got him and Rollins making moves with Elias. Baron Corbin, very suitable opponent for Baron for, or for Elias right now to help him get him where they want him to be as a baby face. And then you got Braun, who's going to be a gray area character. And that's fine up top. He's big imposing monster. But you got to have somebody that's not quite established in that main picture yet. And I, I think Drew is going to be that guy. And it's not right now, but three months from now, I, w- I wouldn't even be shocked if he wasn't in, like, Rumble winner consideration. You know what I mean? Like, people around Rumble time are like, well, maybe they're going to have Drew win it. That'd be a good story to tell, you know? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And, and um, you know, and, and it's credible. You know, you have certain people that line up opposite Braun Strowman. And, and you know what I mean? From an optical point of view, you go, how, you know, how's this going to work? Right. How's, how, how am I supposed to suspend disbelief and think that this guy's going to beat Braun Strowman? When you see him face to face with a Drew McIntyre, you go, I can see it. Uh, well, we're talking about Raw. Let's talk, let's switch over here to the blue brand. Let's talk about SmackDown live a bit. A couple notes from the observer uh, Fox uh, this past week, it was reported by, by Dave that, Fox wants SmackDown to be more sports-oriented. They want less comedy. Uh, They're interested in guys like Daniel Cormier coming in. Uh, Sports dudes 
Fox. Um, and the other note coming out of the Observer about SmackDown this past week is that Vince is not, I guess, at SmackDown Live week to week anymore. I'd kind of heard this, uh, but it was there in black and black and white. Last week was kind of a, an anomaly for Vince to be at SmackDown regularly now, uh, conference calling into the shows. These two stories are married together, Jimmy, because if you're telling WWE we want a more sports-oriented product, less comedy, Vince is the reason there's all the, the dumb comedy stuff, right? Uh, for the most part, Vince Vince is a huge comedy fan, of course, and and if there is a place for it in wrestling when done well, right? Uh, comedy absolutely works, and and you know that better than anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, ha- having it more sports oriented, I if SmackDown were to go back to the way it was in, I want to say the mid two thousands, you know, uh, post Attitude Era where SmackDown was the wrestling show and Raw was the more entertainment-based show, I think that would be fine. Uh, I don't know how well... I, I know Daniel Cormier is a huge wrestling fan, but I don't know how well his commentary would translate uh, in the in the pro wrestling world. You obviously have to hear him first before you can judge, but um, I could see why they want to do that, because... Outside of the wrestling bubble, people still have this look at wrestling sideways, so to speak, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, maybe maybe just some slight modifications to SmackDown will suffice. But uh, again, with the with the deal that they signed with them, I guess they're going to try to appease them as best as much as they can. Yeah. And you're the, the mid 2000s area you're talking about, of course, the legendary SmackDown six. Uh, Paul Heyman had a bit of say, I believe. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody's ever had complete say, but Heyman had a, a bit of say in, in SmackDown booking at the time when everybody was. Uh, was really loving the product. And it, it's interesting because as long as Heyman took away from the creative end, there was a story, again from The Observer this past week, about Paul Heyman getting some creative input, at least in one area, and that's in Ronda Rousey's promos. Uh, that's why Ronda apparently has been so good, is Heyman is working with her on her promos to make them sound more real from her voice. If you're talking about wanting to put a more sports-oriented product on, on SmackDown, well, put, I think you move the Paul Heyman Ronda Rousey combo over there and just give Paul a little bit more influence. Uh, well, we like we've seen in the past, we've seen superstars go back and forth between brands. I think it, that actually it sounds like a natural to put Ronda Rousey on that blue brand, especially when when the switchover happens next year. You know, to Fox, I think that that now that you mention that, that to me now sounds like a no brainer. Uh, that 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 is great and and going back to Paul Heyman back uh you know when he was with the smackdown brand on the creative end i know he uh he had a lot of input and what what i love most about working with paul on smackdown um that he was so open to to suggestions from people it wasn't just like hey this is my vision let's go you know, if you had an idea, you know, you'd walk up to him and say, hey, Paul, you got a second? I got an idea. And he'd yeah, shoot. And he'd listen to it and he'd tell you if he liked it. He'd tell you if he didn't think it would work. But he, but one thing he, that I learned from him, he says, that's a great idea, but what's the next step? Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? You got to keep thinking ahead. And I, I love his vision. I love the way he thinks. And going back to really quickly back to the Fox deal being more sports oriented, I'm wondering if. Well, using the NXT model would work 
for for SmackDown on Friday nights if that's where they're looking at doing it. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I mean, for me, NXT is is kind of like the perfect blend of old school wrestling meets new school. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I think that formula would very well work for Fox. I uh, I don't want to spoil the, the interview because we're going to play it here in just a second. But you're familiar with PCO, Quebec or Pierre, right? Absolutely. I put him on the spot in this interview here, and you can listen to it all here in just a moment. I'm not trying to spoil it. But I put out there, would you like to go to NXT? And he said no. And that crushed me, Jimmy, because you talk about the blend of old and new school. That is PCO right now. I feel like he belongs in NXT at the moment. I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just to be controversial. You know what I mean? Because PCO is a controversial guy. Okay, we'll talk. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put a button. We'll talk a little bit more PCO after the interview. I'll come back to him. Let's let's wrap up the news here. Uh, PW Insider also had a report out this week that WWE started using some smaller crews recently on the weekend, uh, testing out some new equipment, possibly setting the stage for airing more WWE live events, house shows on the WWE Network. Uh, there was also a, a survey went out this past week asking people about different tiers for the network. Uh, I, I mean, this thing, this seems like a layup for me. I mean, there's certainly people out there, I think, that are going to pay an extra $5 for house shows and, and, you know, PWG or whatever else they get their hands on. Do you agree or you think this is a you – don't, you don't think there's a market for it? Oh, I think there's absolutely a market for it, and I think it's smart business to, to uh, you know, have the odd house show there on, on – or a live event on, on the network. And why not add, uh, you know, some of these, uh, some of these, uh, so-called independent promotions that they may be working with, like, a, like an evolve or somebody like that, or, or someone progress in the UK or somebody like that. And, and have the, maybe, a, you know, it doesn't have to be a weekly thing. It could be a monthly thing. It could be, you know, or every couple of weeks or, or make them sound like specials that are coming up on the network. But, you're right. It's it is to me. It's a layup, especially with uh, today's audience and everybody so into the indie scene, which is growing exponentially right now. Yeah. And on that note, last subject here to bring up in the news before we throw to some interviews, the Young Bucks. Now there has just been so much rampant speculation, Jimmy. What are the Young Bucks? BTE, Cody. What are these guys doing? Are they going to WWE? Are they? Are they gonna are they gonna sign or resign with New Japan ROH? Are they gonna are they gonna go do more all in events? So <clears throat> I'm I'm of the I'm a journalist, and so I said, well, this is a this is a story. People want answers. So this past weekend, uh, I we have a, a lawyer friend that works with us at Wrestling Inc. I worked with them to try to find some kind of paper trail on what uh, what the Bucks and Cody are up to, and we we wound up basically doing a deep dive into the trademark filings of a business called Killing the Business Incorporated. Killing the Business is owned by Matt and Dana Massey, better known as Matt Jackson. That is their business. They have one trademark. They have the trademark for Killing the Business. And uh, I'm just going to sprinkle some updates out there, Jimmy. Okay. And, and, and you know, take a, make of it what you will. The Bucks uh, filed for or Matt Jackson here, filed for the Young Bucks trademark Back in uh, May, it was like late May, uh, Young Bucks, not the Young Bucks, just Young Bucks. Now, on September 14th, that was approved uh, for publication to go out. Believe it or not, we're recording this on October 24th. October 23rd, yesterday, two days ago when you're listening to this, um, the Young Bucks published their trademark, Young Bucks trademark, 
for opposition. For anybody that knows anything about trademarks or you don't, what that means is basically they have made it public. We are about to own the trademark for Young Bucks for pro wrestling purposes. If you want to challenge us, you have 30 days to oppose it. And if nobody opposes us, we own this trademark. So by the end of November, the Young Bucks could own the trademark for Young Bucks. And that is huge, Jimmy. Right when it comes to negotiating with entities like WWE or New Japan or Ring of Honor to own your own trademark. And they're just about there. Yeah, that is huge. And it's very smart business. And I'm glad to see that the I feel like an old guy here. The younger generation is taking these steps, you know, from a business standpoint, because you look at something like, for example, the Bullet Club, which was hugely popular and over with the audience and not only in Japan, but here in North America, you know, everywhere you go, you see bullet club t-shirts, right? Uh, but that trademark is owned by new Japan. Right. So, so, you know, for, for the young bucks to think ahead like this and to trademark themselves as their own brand, brilliant. And regardless of what happens when their new Japan contract comes up, I know everybody's speculating, are they going to make the big jump? Are they going to stay with new Japan? Whatever they decide to do, now they know that they've got that Young Bucks name to themselves. Mind you, like you, you did mention something that they did tra- that the trademark is Young Bucks, not the Young Bucks. Correct. So I don't know if that's the difference or not, or but um, again, smart business. I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I, I had a I had a nice discussion one day with uh, MVP. I got to catch up with him here in Toronto a while back. And he, he, we were just talking about different, um, you know, wrestlers around the world. He said, what do you think of the Bucks? I said, I, I love them because, you know, they, they know how to cater to, not only to their audience with in-ring performance, but they are so smart from a business standpoint. So even if you're not a fan of the, how they work, you know, old farts are always like complaining about, <laughs> you know, the young guys giving too much and, you know, what, super kick parties and they don't like that stuff. But they're catering to their audience. But even if you're not a fan of that stuff, you got to be a fan of how they do business. Oh, absolutely. And I'm of the mind, and I'm just speculating here. Again, I just was trying to find the paper trail. But if their contracts are up at January 1, and they're in the process of renegotiating, I don't think they sign with anybody or are doing anything until they own that trademark. Because if something happens where they don't have that trademark— I think that they have, I would think, a little bit less negotiating power. If they own that trademark and they and the, the brand they're going to wants to continue to market them as Young Bucks, that it definitely ups your, your negotiating power. Um, the other side of this, so Killing the Business Inc., Matt Massey, Dana Massey, their entity, three trademarks, right? They own already live Killing the Business. That's theirs. Young Bucks, 30 days, actually 28 days as of right now, um, and they will own that trademark. The third trademark out under the Killing the Business Inc. and by far the most interesting trademark is All In. Now, All In was not filed. It was filed close to the same time as the Young Bucks trademark that they, I believe, if I went back and looked at the uh, exact notes here. Um, close. But it was on September 14th that the Bucks trademark was put up. That You can go ahead and publish this come October 23rd. 30 days, they'll have it. Something happened on September 14th. Uh, not something. I know what it was. The United States Patent and Trademark Office said that there was a line in the listing of what they were going to use the all-in trademark for that they needed to uh, expound upon more. They needed to clarify. And that word is exhibitions. 
The USPTO wanted to know what they meant by exhibitions. Clarify, is that a small event or is that going to be like a big convention? Maybe the fact they did StarCast tipped off the post office people and were like, we want a full scope of what this means. So they have 90 days to, to respond to that. To the best of our knowledge from what we looked at, they have yet to respond to it, but that's, that's fine. They're probably making sure that it's all correct. Um, but in the filing for All In, and this was filed uh, in May, uh, late May, I believe. It, it lists what they intend to use the all-in trademark for. And none of this stuff in all of the reporting that I could find anywhere online was ever listed by anyone. They said the all-in is, tra- is being in the process of being trademarked by, the, by Dana, Matt Massey, the Young Bucks. That is true. But here's the interesting notes within that trademark about what they plan on using this all-in trademark for entertainment in the nature of professional wrestling matches exhibitions and tournaments and ongoing television programs in the field of professional wrestling organizing and conducting professional wrestling matches exhibitions tournaments production and syndication of television programs featuring professional wrestling matches exhibitions tournaments and performances uh, there's also a note in the filing where they they talk about uh, going into the area of education and training wrestlers. There is a training center element to this all-in filing. This is not just a we're going to trademark all-in to use at a show or maybe a couple shows. This reads to me like the blueprint of launching something. I don't want to I don't want to spin the pot. I don't want to stir the pot too hard because I haven't been trying to speculate too hard as I'm continuing to look into this. But this reads like the blueprint of them setting up some kind of consistent shows, promotion. I don't know. I mean, how does that sound to you when you read that's their intentions with that trademark? That is extremely interesting because it does sound like that they're laying the groundwork and foundation for a possible um, uh, U.S. Uh, basically territory entity uh, and Maybe that's why i say I, i'd hate to say i hate to say launching a promotion but some kind of all-in entity that regularly does yeah. shows and has television now because i this is all new to me but i'm just like right off the top of my head thinking that because of their great relationship with new japan pro wrestling in order to make it more palatable to a, a north american audience and make it seem more global because, you know, we have world wrestling entertainment, world championship wrestling. Do you know what I mean? The names con- uh, automatically assume a worldwide audience. New Japan makes it sound kind of regional. Now, if you have a, uh, um, a new promotion labeled all in, like including the entire world and based in the United States with almost being like an extension of New Japan Pro Wrestling that the Young Bucks are at the helm of. And who knows, maybe a training center similar and smaller uh, version of the performance center. I don't know. That's that's all that's what's all coming to my mind right now. That maybe maybe they're laying the groundwork and you know, Access TV could be their first, you know, foray into having a weekly television show that they're basically running. I don't know. It's cool, though. I like the idea. These guys are – see there. That's why I'm a fan of these guys from a business standpoint. Love their love their business acumen. See, but here's the thing is it kind of blew your mind when I read all that to you, right? Yes. yes. Now, that has been sitting on – it's public since late May. They, they, they wrote this like months ago. It's only coming to surface now because 
we found the documents and published it. You know, like that's it. This is, wow. Right? This isn't like something I want to say this is an exclusive. It's not really an exclusive. We were just the ones to dig it up and bring it to the to the light, you know, what possibly these guys are working on here right now. Um, for me, and we're gonna throw to the interviews here in just a second. But if you're if you're in their position, and we know that these trademarks aren't live yet, they don't own Young Bucks yet, but very very close. And by the way, it's not ninety days they have to clarify the word exhibition; it's six months. Just to make sure I'm perfectly clear, they have six months to clear that up with the USPTO. They they don't own the All In name yet, but if you own All In and you own Young Bucks and you look at any promotion, you say, "Do you want to be in the Young Bucks All In business?" It's a it's a completely different playing field uh, negotiating wise if you own it and it's i i would put dollars to donuts right now that these guys don't have ink dried on any contracts anywhere while they wait for this stuff to find finish up would be my guess i i think that would be quite a good guess and very, probably fairly accurate because uh, i don't think they'd want to commit right now to anything mm-hmm so there you go, guys. We did. I did some journalism this week, and that's that's the result of of what I found out. Pretty cool. I don't usually do this stuff, Jimmy, but whatever. Well, so, that's what, so that's what journalism is. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I worked with a lawyer. I looked through trademarks. I put together a paper trail. I found facts, and then led to conclusions. Oh, not the, not yeah. the lawyer guy from TMZ. No, not Harvey Levin. Um, and it wasn't Ryan well, Satin either. For the and Ryan's not a lawyer. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, there it is. That's that's all that's laid out. You know, again, we can draw conclusions, but more importantly, I wanted to just put the facts of it out there. You can find that over at Wrestling Inc. right now. All of the latest trademark filing information for Young Bucks and All In. And with that, we're gonna go all in to an interview block, guys. Three interviews, back to back to back. And when they're done, we're gonna close it down with me and Jimmy previewing Evolution. He's gonna talk a little bit about PCO and why PCO is a controversial figure. But the three interviews you got here in just a second, you're going to get Falaba from Impact Wrestling. Before him, you're going to get Mick Foley as interviewed by Alan Malnoski of Wrestling Inc. But right now, here it is, the controversial figure, I guess, again, as Jimmy put him, P.C.O. Right now, I am privileged to welcome to the Winkley one of the scariest men walking professional wrestling today. You may have seen him in his insane viral videos alongside D Destro, it is none other than PCO. PCO, thank you very much for taking the uh, taking the time today. Yes, it's a pleasure, Nick. Nice uh, being on the on your show. Appreciate that. Yeah. Now, t- now for those out there, because you you've been making the rounds. I know I'm not the first person to interview you, but I still know there are people getting themselves reacclimated to who PCO is. So why don't you tell everybody who is PCO? Well, what do you mean by starting by the beginning or just who's PCO right now at 2018? Let's talk 2018. We can dive into the past if we want, but I want I want you to describe the current iteration of PCO. Yep. Well, uh, 2018, uh, I was found dead in the cemetery by uh, D. Destro, who is like uh, a creator, someone who was like um, an entity uh, who was uh, like uh, never dies basically yes you know he goes through times and um, he found me and uh, put a car battery into my chest and uh, you know with the the power and the electricity 
uh, gave uh, life to me and uh, to PCO. And I'm like uh, the uh, French Canadian Frankenstein, so to speak. And uh, basically, the electricity just gets me stronger and stronger each and every time that I get uh, boost by cable jumpers, by a car battery, by a teaser, by anything that uh, brings electricity to my to my body that touches me. Uh, I've been doing videos, you know, with my both feet in the water, in a tub of water, with the uh, the cables, you know, uh, plugged to the car battery and dropped into the water, and you can see, you know, all the sparks before and just before it drops in the water. I've been doing the electric chairs. Uh, um, it's all on YouTube and it's all real. You know, we, we we've done all those videos for real. And um, I just build the capacity uh, to the point where I can absorb pain uh, to the point where uh, people start saying that PCO is not human. It's just the fact that it's been, you know, uh, it's been the resurrection of PCO. He's been, you know, taking some moves uh, or getting, you know, power, electricity, uh, all kinds of pain, you know, throughout some different bumps or exercises in the ring or outside the ring, in the gym or in life in general. Mm-hmm. And that's the, uh, that's basically a, a great mix of uh, reality and a little bit of fiction. Now, in the past, before, before you had died and were resurrected by D-Destro, some may have known you by the name Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Some people may have known you by Quebec or Pierre. Were you always somebody that was capable of taking this kind of punishment? Were you always somebody that was taking electrical shocks? Or is this something that you've only found in the past few years that you just have a pension for being able to, to take this kind of abuse? Uh, I was always like tough on my body uh, before in my other life, but never... Uh... You know, I kind of built a, uh, a tolerance to a certain pain uh, in the last, you know, in the last year or so uh, since been resurrected, and uh, it's just uh, it's just something different. You know, uh, of course, I did some crazy things before, but 2018 has been like the by far the craziest year ever uh, for PCO as far as you know the. Like like you said, the the frenzy also, you know, like uh, getting booked, you know, everywhere in the world, like basically yeah. in the United States of America, uh, Europe and uh, yeah, Germany and England too, Australia, but uh, mostly uh, 90%, you know, in the United States of America and uh, going like to every major city in the States and getting... Uh, such a great warm welcome and uh, ovations and uh, you know all kinds of chants you know like uh, he's not human he's not human uh, PCO PCO whatever it is you know there's so many chants that I've heard over the last year and uh, whatever it was in Los Angeles for uh, Battle of Los Angeles Bola or uh, New Orleans for uh, WrestleMania weekend or you know, uh, New York at the Georgia Los in New York show against Matt Riddle, 
or I guess Brian Cage for Beyond Wrestling, or you know, the list can go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I've, I've faced, you know, I've wrestled like uh, the best of the best in the business. And uh, it's just like everywhere I go, uh, Texas, Chattanooga, Tennessee, you know, down south, uh, on the west coast, east coast, north and northeast, New England, wherever I go, uh, Florida, it's it's just like uh, insane reaction from the from the crowd. Yeah. Now uh, let's go back here because it has been just a, a rocket ride for you. Uh, I was privileged. Back in 2017, before the corpse was even found by D. Destro to get to see you down in Black Label Pro in Crown Point, Indiana, uh, there's a guy there named Michael Blanton who uh, has his promoter for Black Label Pro. Tell me a little bit about Mike and y'all and your relationship and kind of the because I, I believe that was really kind of the first time you had made uh, an impact in the states after transitioning from Canada for being up there for so long. Basically, yeah, I never took that route before in my career. You know, I always took the, uh, I always did it like uh, went through Puerto Rico or I went through uh, England quite a lot in the past to uh, to get my recognition and by by the pairs or from the 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 the, the people the people was like the power uh, of you know hiring people in the business and things like that. Um, the WWE or WCW or ECW, and it was always throughout, like you know, mostly Europe. You know, I never like took the USA route, and it's the first time in my career as an indie wrestler, as someone who's not signed by WWE, that um, I'm, I'm I'm working full time in the states. So um, this uh, Michael Blennon. He uh, he's the first one that reached out to me and uh, asked me if I wanted to uh, go and work for Black Label Pro in Indiana. And um, he and gave me like uh, two dates. It was January 13th, uh, 2018, or uh, April 21st, 2018. That's right. And I knew where I wanted to be by uh, you know April, which is WrestleMania. So uh, I figured, you know. Um, I thought I wasn't like ready, ready for what I wanted to accomplish, really. But I felt that if I waited too long, I was going to miss a year or miss a boat a little bit. So I decided to go along and choose the January 13th, which is kind of a bad date because the weather is cold and might not be as many people as it would be, you know, during yeah. the the summer or just before the summertime. Uh, and I've chosen that date, and uh, my flight was delayed for about five hours, and the show was starting at 7.30. I got there at 7.15, and had to go on and wrestle uh, Holly Goethe Page. And um, after that match, uh, this was uh, put like quickly together by Michael Blennon, you know, like, okay, it's going to be you and Page and blah, blah, blah. Um George Angela was there and uh the rest is history. Yeah. Uh after after that I did the uh New Orleans show against Walter because Joey saw me. Joey works with uh, Danny Demento and I worked saying that I never worked the USA like uh, route before. I did a little bit in 2008 when I came back from Europe. I did a few shows for the Savoldis in Maine. Not many shows, maybe 10 shows, 
the top, you know, over seven HOs and a few in New Jersey. And I traveled with Danny and I traveled with some other guys that they became from order today. And they had a great time with me back then. And, uh, well, I got along well with everybody in that territory. And then they, they, they knew me personally, you know, they had been on the road with me for a few days or a few weeks. And so everything kind of clicked in a way where I never could imagine that it would click like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. the fact that the Destro, uh, was there in my life was probably the last little string that was, uh, attached to my big dream as a youngster. You know, I, I always dreamed big about what I could accomplish in this business. And I felt like I never really had the opportunity or really, uh, not that it was just the opportunity, but I never really uh, proven myself uh, to be worth being a main eventer uh, in the past. So even though if I did a lot of main events, uh, like the Jacques Rougeau retirement match in Montreal, working on top of all the, the roster of the WWE and WWF at the time, or, uh, you know, different tag team matches, like uh, there were like uh, highlights, you know, like on some cards, but it was always pretty much in the, in the middle or near the middle of the card. So when like uh, I'm going for an LW and I'm the main event, you know, against La Park, uh, 14th match out of the 14th match, and I'm going on last, and the crowd is like cheering like crazy. Uh, or same thing with Matt, Matt Little, you know, in Georgia and Little Lost in New York, where we went on last, you know, probably 12, 13 match, you know, after like uh, all kinds of uh, ladder match and, you know, uh, battle royal and tag match and six men tag and all kind of action and then you go there and you know the death comes in you know I'm almost like knocked out and then revived me you know with the the juice of the cable jumpers you know on the car battery and then I go like super strong, super crazy and then uh, everything that Riddle's given me you know I don't feel the pain anymore and then it's just like, you know, everybody's got goosebumps, you know, on their bodies and they're all cheering like crazy. And then, yeah. you know, that's the story. Yeah. Now, now so what's, it's, it's just been an incredible ride. Now, you are getting to, to go on this ride right now, and it's awesome to watch. I can't even believe it's been less than a year. Uh, I felt like it had been at least a year since I'd seen you at um, Black Label Pro. You are in there with uh, some of the young, hungry lions right now of professional wrestling. What is the diff- What's the biggest difference for you? Uh, wrestling now with these guys versus wrestling maybe back in the nineties. I just feel like the uh, this is more adapted to to the style, you know, to my style, to to whether uh, you know I like the combos, the the long combos that that the three four moves put in like together. Uh, um, I like that, that you know the fact that uh, if you pile drive someone, it's not going to be like. The end of the world, you know, it could be a setup move for another thing yeah. if it's well done or you know well placed. Um, the business has evolved so much, uh, and we can't stop it because it's too late. You know, the evolution is already taking place. The the PWG uh, pro wrestling guerrilla, uh, the trend that uh, this 
this company has left on the on the business is by far very very deep and um it's touching every organization in in the wrestling world and uh it's hard now to really have like a heel on a baby face and you know have guys cheating you know you, you can be like hated by the crowd but uh, just because maybe you're you're again you react negatively to what they say or you're just being an ass you know like uh just not being nice to them and and being cocky or whatever you can do to to other people to not like you but um you know, like cheating in the back of a ref, I, I don't think it does it anymore, you know? I think yeah. the business has evolved to another level. Yeah. So, like a false tag, you know, a referee that misses a tag used to be the end of the world, you know, for the crowd. But now it's like something that people don't even react to. You know, so it has changed. The business has changed. And the evolution of the business is, uh, is so different now. So I just feel like... Uh, I was made to be put in that that hair of of the business, you know. I just maybe I was a little bit ahead of my time before. Were you were you pushing for a style more like this back in the Attitude Era, back in the the nineties? Were you wanting to do more things like what you're getting to do now? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I was trying to 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 do. You know, I've tried to. A few times to to go to a, towards a, a style like that. I remember in Puerto Rico, I was trying to have like more a style like that. I was having more of a style like that, but I felt like back then the WWE, like as a heel, they always wanted to have like uh, like kind of a coward heels, you know, like do something and hide or cheat and hide, and it was never like uh, well. You know, I, I grew up, you know, with the Road Warriors and a little bit of the demolitions and uh, strong gimmicks like that. And, um, you know, going on as a Quebecer, which was not a bad gimmick at all, but it was more a cowardless gimmick, you know. It was like uh, we do things, you know, uh, we do speak French or we do uh, cheating or... Um, you know, double teaming while the ref's not looking. And we're talking about the 90s there, you know. So um, it was like not what I always wanted to be or enjoyed or envisioned to be. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do my time, uh, enjoy what I'm doing while I'm doing it, and eventually, you know, something's going to, you know, uh, be in my path and sort of, you know, go accordingly with what I really wish or what I always wanted to, to be in this business and to, you know, to participate at something, you know, uh, that I really feel good with and uh, really be happy with what I'm portraying, you know, in the ring is really what I am in life. So, uh, this uh, uh, Frankenstein thing is, is really who I am in life. You know, I'm a I'm a guy who absorbs a lot of pain. Uh, you know, suffer. You know, a lot of s- suffering. Um, 
screws and different injuries or things like losing my right the sight and uh, getting shot in my eye, you know, with a pellet gun when I was a kid and, and you know, breaking a, a lot of bones in my body, you know, was doing like uh, pretty uh, uh, extreme sports. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's me and, and, and being able to, uh, still compete, you know, uh, with some different injuries that supposed to bother someone, but weren't bothering me that much, you know, and I could live on with like little injuries and go on and, you know, do sports like play hockey or football or baseball and, like if nothing happened and so that was like a character that i didn't know how and where and how it would get to me but and i didn't certainly didn't think it was going to happen at a late time like that but it finally did happen so it's been awesome to watch ask for, yeah it's been awesome so couldn't ask for a better uh, yeah scenario yeah absolutely uh i uh, i'm gonna uh, i want to bring you back another time pco i feel like i'd like to chat with you another time uh about some other things on my list here but i'll wrap by saying you know you you obviously talk about this amazing run right now you're on surrounded by these guys right now where i feel like a lot of them their goal is to get to wwe get to nxt you know move to that level is that your goal? Are you looking to, to do another, or would you like to be an NXT? Would you like to mix it up down there, or is that off the table for you? I'm thinking like uh, something in the big roster with WWE. You know, it may take a little bit more time. It may take maybe a few more months, or maybe another year. Who knows? You know, I'm not the architect. You know, of knowing what the future holds for me. But certainly, you know, uh, NXT would be like something that would not really interest me. Uh, um, I would rather go to ROH or Impact Wrestling and with a great run than just going on an NXT. Because, you know, lately the the top guys that they have signed lately, like Matt Riddle, uh, Keith Lee, um, and I've heard a few other names uh, that you probably know in the independent circuit that just been signed like uh, lately. Well, I just don't want to give the scoop. I want to let them talk about about it if they want to. But it's people really close to me that have been wrestled with them all year round, and um, I just feel like they they put them, you know, they sign them in a maybe six figure. Uh, you know, a contract and they just let them on the shelf, you know, they don't use them that much or it takes two, three months just before they get started or it takes a long time before they get into a good storyline or it could even take a year sometimes before they move something with it. But at least the guys are getting paid good money. But in my case, it's not about the money, you know, uh, it's about accomplishing something that means something. And for me, uh, with all my experience and I mean, everything that I've been through in the business and all the guys that I've worked, the Bret Hart, the Shawn Michaels, the Kevin Nash, the, um, the Matt Riddle, the, you know, Walter, uh, all the top talents, you know, uh, that, that are, you know, uh, in the India secrets right now, Joey Janela, uh, you know, I hate uh, saying names because, 
sometimes guys are coming at me and saying, hey, you didn't say my name and you said other names. So that's something that I like to do. But just to say that I've worked with the top talent 2018, and I worked with the top talent uh, before that. And um, to me, going to NXT would be like, you know, uh, not a... You know, I'm just, I'm just, it's not the way that I envision everything, you know, I'm just thinking that uh, a great, good, solid angle, you know, and top three, four angles, uh, WWE uh, would be a good way, you know, to start something pretty big. And because I think uh, this character is so over right now with the production that they can, you know, uh, put behind it. Uh, if you look at uh, Braun Strowman, you know, he had like maybe for, I don't know if it was a million dollars of uh, of things that he threw around, the semi and ambulances and uh, stages and rings and all kinds of stuff that, you know, they broke down just to make him look strong. I mean, we... Uh, I don't think me and D Destro we, we we need as much as a big budget like that just to, to get our, our things you know over with the electricity and with uh, you know the, the the jumper cables and things like that. You know, all we need probably it's like yeah another route you know would be like just to have like on a network whatever it's ROH whatever it's Impact or it's the WWE network just having like. Uh, a vignette per week of PCO and D Destro or whatever, you know, the creativity, the, the, the creativity that we've got that we can come up with every week and the merch would sell like crazy and the character would go over like crazy and it wouldn't take long that we would get on the big roster and, you know, it would just be like, I just see like everybody, uh, with a, a pair of jumper jumper tables in their car with the picture of D-Destro and PCO on it because not only that they would need that if the car battery is down and the car doesn't start, but they could feel the security saying, I got the cable in my cars, I got PCO and Distro protecting me. So it's just like, you know, selling an image too, you know. So I think that's so strong, you know, the jumper cables, like a big merch that we could sell all over the world. Decks of cards, you know, because we we tear decks of cards, you know, we For rip sure. decks, decks, decks of cards, um, and then there are so many other things that uh, darts, go along with dart, that. Darts, right? You can sell darts. Yeah, darts. Uh, yeah, because you know, you know, if you watch all the videos that we've done and the all the all the merch is there. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be so easy to. Uh, to get this thing over and and uh, it's already so over all over the world that you know with just a little bit of uh, leverage, just yeah. more leverage, and you got something that means a lot of money. It's big business there, big big money, and it, it doesn't. Uh, I don't think it takes a genius to to see that and all humility. You know, I'm trying to be humble about this because. Uh, it's uh, it's one of I think one of my qualities, like being humble. You know, I always like try to to see things as they are, and uh, most of the times when I get the feedback, it's from 
outside because for me to have a good feel it's hard because I'm right in the middle of it but when people are calling me or they texting me or they send me send me things or I look at my social medias and look at the reactions and the uh, the commentary and everything and then uh, I know you know we're on a good track and I'm thinking you know it's just a matter of time you know uh, just a couple quick wrestling questions here tonight as well. Um, you know, we do things for WrestlingInc.com as well. Uh, so it's always great to talk to folks uh, in the industry and, and talk about their careers, uh, you know, albeit briefly tonight. Uh, you know, a long time ago, you know, obviously you're doing the one-man shows now. I actually watched a one-man show uh, you know, with the Hell in the Cell, and, and certainly that's a question you get asked off, you know, probably most every interview. But... Did you ever expect it to, to kind of go on its own and really take a life of its own all these years later? No, no. The idea that something I did, uh, you know, anything I did would stand the test of time was really not something I even considered. I thought I had like a year shelf life when I retired from uh, full-time wrestling, and yet here I am 18 years later. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd say half the people that come to my appearances, uh, you know, not the one-man shows because they're usually... 18 and older, 19 or 21 and older, but um, appearances like I did tonight in Ontario, Canada, it's like uh, uh, half the people at these appearances were even born when I was uh, wrestling. So, uh, you know, and a lot of them say that that match, that cell match from 1998 was their favorite <laughs> all-time match. So we didn't even have an internet, you know, it was in its infancy, you know, mm-hmm. when I retired in 98, you know, there was no YouTube, uh, uh, but uh, there was no WWE network, but uh, people still, uh, they remember me and seem to like me. Yeah, in that moment, it still stands out in everybody's mind uh, you know, that appreciates the product and, and looks back on it. You know, one of those hallmark moments that can never be taken away from you. It's going to go down forever, and, uh, as well as it should. Uh, but uh, obviously now making the transition, you were just... You know, within the past year, the WWE general manager and, and just made an appearance on there, albeit you got, I believe, some mace in your face there from uh, from Paul Heyman. <laughs> what, what's the status now? It was hairspray. Oh, yeah. it was a hairspray. <laughs> yeah, I was okay uh, minutes later. Um, I actually got an ear infection out of it, so go figure that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have a good relationship with WWE, good enough that I can call up Mr. McMahon, you know, and uh, be in his office pitching an idea for the 20th anniversary of the cell. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they seem to like me, and um, they seem to know that they can call on me for, to enhance a big moment. And uh, it's a good uh, good relationship to have. Yeah, excellent, Nick. And, and uh, just a few more quick questions is, you know, a lot of questions that I get, you know, covering wrestling is, you know, they do ask about the Holy Foley show. What happened to it? Um, people enjoyed it. They, they really, they liked it. Obviously, your family involved and, and everything else. I mean, uh, what's happened to that? Yeah, we really enjoyed doing it. Um, I think, uh, but, uh, you know, it's an expensive, it was an expensive show for the network to make. And I think if you look at some of their other shows, uh, there, you know, there's GoPro on a windshield. Uh, but they really invested, uh, yeah, honestly, but, uh, it's a GoPro and a windshield. I think if this had been a show that was on USA or, uh, E, that it would have, uh, you know, probably would have been a better home because you could have found it would, you know, had the big budget for it and, uh, would have, uh, found fans who were not 
uh, WWE loyalists. Like, I think Total Bellas probably has half their uh, viewership who are not actively watching wrestling. So mm-hmm. um, I was glad they took a chance on it. We really enjoyed the opportunity to have uh, those 10 weeks together and to get paid. But uh, <laughs> it just didn't uh, didn't work out. Their highest viewed show uh, of all time for a little while. But mm-hmm. there's only so many times people can watch, you know, 10 episodes over and over and over. Right. Well, you, you, like they say, never say never. We'll be looking forward to something like that maybe in the future. And, and obviously, Noelle, uh, she, she was training to be a, a WWE diva. Uh, is that something for her that, that she still wants to continue or, or aspire to be? No, no. Uh, she got banged up quite a bit. Uh, injured, not just banged up, but injured. This year alone, it's been a busy year for, for myself as well, getting out there, interviewing people. Uh, talked to Terry Funk this year. Talked to Dominic Daducci this year. Uh, they both talked about your desire to be great in the business. And what drove you to go to the links? I mean, in a nutshell, what drove you? Was it just the entertainment of the fans or was it, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I just uh, I went above and beyond to try to uh, entertain. Um, so I, uh, I, was, I was glad to do it. And uh, that was, I just basically wrestled the style of match that I like to see. And uh, tried to get uh, people out there uh, what I would have liked to have seen when I was up there. Right on, Mick. Well, Mick, thank you so much. Uh, I want to say thank you again for taking the time for us. And I leave this last uh, open question for you. Is, you know, if you wanted to change one thing with wrestling today, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, uh, what would you change with it? Oh, man, that is a tough question. Uh, just the, uh, I think the perception that there's uh, <laughs> that every that a match can only be great if it has uh, you know spectacular moves and uh, you know multiple false finishes, uh, you know a near near falls. So I think there's more than one way to have a great match, and I think uh, 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 the superstars are kind of pigeonholed into delivering what fans have come to expect a great match to be. So I, I think it's just a matter of conditioning people and. Uh, uh, having guys out there willing to take chances and uh, kind of reteaching them. Great, Nick. Well, thank you again. And, uh, you know, obviously Nick Foley here for WrestlingInc.com. Obviously, other than the cell, uh, my last official thing here now is um, just double-checking my notes, is what was your, your greatest time that you look, that gets, as time goes on for you, um, what was the greatest time in the business? Oh, well, um, maybe when I won my first WWE title from uh, the biggest star in the world. (laughs) That's a good one. The bigger he gets, the better I look in retrospect. (laughs) But that was a big moment even then, you know. Looking back, that was uh, almost almost 20 years ago. And so maybe I'll have another anniversary tour just to celebrate that moment. At this time, I welcome to the show Impact Wrestling's Fala. Bah! 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 Hello. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. That's one of my favorite parts of Impact right now. It's like a sing-along with the audience, you know? I I feel like it's a good connection with the crowd. I I, I love it. (laughs) So tell, you know, I think we've chatted maybe in the past, but man, you've been breaking out so much recently in Impact Wrestling. I know this is like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever seen this kind of exposure before in your career? I'm I'm actually like, like, 
I'm like in cloud nine, like the past couple of months, everything's uh, happening so quick. And I've, uh, I've definitely never had this exposure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's, it's actually, uh, it's actually great uh, experiencing it, you know, every week, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And you, uh, of course, are, are teamed up right now or friend friendly with KM. Uh, I want to get an idea. Like, are you, are you more interested in going the tag title route? Or, I mean, are you looking uh, to break out as a singles champion? I'm like, I'm having such a good time with, with Kevin. I want to see how far it goes. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, like, in the future, there's there's always you you always want to go for something for yourself. But like right now, I think me and him have uh, something really great. Like our our uh, chemistry is really good. You know, yeah. Um, we've known each other for years, so like everything we've done, like in local shows, like we're literally just kind of doing on television, which is awesome. You know what I mean? It's like it's natural because that's how we really act like in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. How is that getting to go on that ride with, with a friend like that? Does it mean more to you having somebody that goes along and kind of feels the ebbs and flows that you're going through as well? Honestly, like it's, it's comforting. Cause like, you know, you go to a new place, like you, you're nervous cause you, you try to be cool with people. You, you know, you don't really know, but yeah. like being in a place with Kevin, like, you know, it eases everything, you know? So like, so like it, it's it's it makes everything easier. At, at least when I started at Impact, you know everybody's everybody's nice now. You know everybody's cool, but like that that weird moment when you're the new guy and and you you gotta get to know everybody. It's easier to have somebody that you you you've been cool with, sure. you know, for years, being there with you. Yeah, it's kind of like so back. It, in, it means the world. It's kind of like back in high school, right? Like trying to pick the table you get to eat lunch yeah. with. Yeah, I wouldn't say like, like high school seems more petty. You know what I mean? But like I was like any any work environment. You know what I mean? Like high school is very clicky. I, I feel like it's not like that. But like I'm, you, you try to be cool with everybody. It's it's more of like a new work envi- environment. I, I want to say. Sure. So Impact Wrestling, you're saying you a reference to high school. It's not clickiness like that. I mean, everything I've heard as it's of not, late, it's not. Everybody's yeah. really cool. Everybody's nice. You know. But like. When you're the new guy, you got you're the new guy. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's just nice to have somebody that you've known already. You know what I mean? It's you, you have somebody that has has your back right away. Well, you say everybody's cool and everybody's nice, and that's awesome. But mm-hmm. there's obviously one guy who has who hasn't acted very cool and nice, and that was Austin Aries at the end of of Bound for Glory. Uh, that that got so yeah. much buzz out of it. You're backstage. What, what's your reaction? What's the vibe in the locker room while you guys are watching this play out? I mean, like, honestly, I'm not really going to – I mean, there's a, a feeling of unknowingness with what just happened. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not really going to add too much into it because, like, when their story is told, it should be heard from them. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, but were so you like, caught, were you caught like, off guard personally, like, back there? I mean, were you – I mean, it's a, it was a very odd thing that happened. Totally. Very. <laughs> but, you know. We're yeah. moving on, and you know what I mean. Just yeah, for sure. Impacts our our champion. That's really honestly all I gotta say about that. Sure. Well, I mean that leaves, of course, Killer Cross and Moose, kind of men without a leader now, off the leash. Uh, yeah. Very imposing. The last episode of Impact Wrestling is that 
a duo that you and KM are, are maybe interested in, in going up against? Definitely. Honestly, we have – we still – just because their leader's gone, we still have unfinished business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. KM's coming back, and uh, we got a score to settle, you know? Yeah. Well – So I'm definitely willing to throw down with uh, Moose and Killer Cross. Hopefully in the future. Do you, what do you think of Moose's new? Per, not, I hate to say no, Persona his new his new traits. What do you think of the new Moose? Do you think this is a more aggressive it, Moose? Is it scarier to you? Um, it's a flasher Moose. You know, yeah. it's uh, I feel like it's more arrogant. You know what I mean? He's he's uh, every 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 week there's a different outfit. Every week there's a different. You know, style of clothing. You got a different swag every week. You know, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely aggressive. It's definitely changed his career. He's he's uh, definitely more aggressive, at least in the ring. You know, he's he's out for himself. Now, I guess you know. Well, but from what you know of Moose, did you did you see this coming? Did you see him as a guy that would kind of show this this kind of personality? Uh, no, I, I honestly no. Like he's, I mean he's he's honestly no. Like I'm actually like really surprised, especially after like you know what he did to Eddie Edwards. Yeah, I, I'm like I, I'm completely thrown, thrown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would seem like you know because he is you know when he's mixing it up with Tommy Dreamer, it seems like he'd be getting dragged in a more ferocious direction. It's almost like. Yeah, I don't know. He's carrying himself with a, a bit more pedigree. I feel like through this experience at the moment, it's a little weird. Different. But... He's not. He's. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's that he's that athlete, he's like that um. He's that jock in like in a sports team where you just like sunglasses and everything. He's just different swag. He just. <laughs> he's not. He's not the same moose that I know. Yeah. Or or. I, I I came to know when I got into Impact Wrestling. Well, I know with you, you've you've talked uh, about how you were inspired by Yokozuna, right? And that's yes. led to your personality and stuff. But you're always evolving as a performer yourself. For right now, like, how do you feel yourself being pulled uh, to grow in different ways? I I'm like just very comfortable, like in a good way. Like before, I was very like like shy and hesitant, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what I, what I do, um, I, I, I feel more com- confident and I feel more comfortable in, in what I do in the ring. And, um, I, I just, I'm just going with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just want to see how far that's going to take me. Who is it in the back right now? Do you feel that's really helping you progress the most? Is there somebody that's giving you more insight into how to, to grow as Falaba? Sanjay, Sanjay Dutt. He's um, he's given me the green light to be myself. A lot, and like I mean, I owe a huge debt of gratitude for for that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been told that the best wrestlers are the ones who take their personality and turn it up to ten, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like I, I could, I could just go the old school Yokozuna route, be quiet, and 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 just just be serious. You know what I mean? Um, 
I wouldn't do myself justice without adding my little flair or a little flavor to to the gimmick or to the sumo character at least you know do you do you have any That's, history in sumo i meant to ask that do you have any sumo history I, I used to be a football player. That's the only like athletic background that I have. Okay. Just wondering. Um. Now, obviously, you're a big man, sumo character. There's a other big men right now. Willie Mack just came in right now. Do you like a landscape with a lot of guys like that, or do you like to work with with smaller guys? Like, how do you feel about all these big characters right now in Impact Wrestling? I, dude, just I just want to get in the ring with as many different people as possible yeah you know yeah but even even with the other different big guys they're 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 totally different as well oh for sure you know what i mean yeah. like willie mack is, is not me willie mack's not like brian cage you know that's a totally different other big guy that you know what i mean like i just honestly want to test my ability it's not just a big guys anybody get me in with swan get me in with abyss you know what i mean yeah do you get have get me across? Do you have a dream? Do you have like a, an ideal opponent that you haven't got to square off yet in Impact Wrestling? I want to go toe to toe with Abyss. I know he just had his uh, Hall of Fame, but um, I grew up watching that the big guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, like I saw Wars that he's been in and I know like I'm a um, funny guy, but there's different, different layers to this, this character that you, you haven't seen yet. And I feel like this can bring that out of me. I would look forward to that. I mean, right now impact wrestling, you know, you talk about how you stand out in the field right now. Uh, impact wrestling has some very scary stuff going on. Uh, I point back to, I mean, I'll point at that concrete jungle match which was complete insanity yeah. from Bound for Glory. I mean, is that is that you, you obviously are embracing that? Would you like to maybe get a little bit more hardcore within the confines of Impact Wrestling? Yes, honestly, like I, I just I want to be given the ball to to have a match that nobody has or a match that's different. You know what I mean? Yeah, just to show different layers of follow up. I, I think, it, yeah, man, and it is, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I, I, I've, been, I, 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 felt, I felt like, like, I don't want to bring his name up like too much, but like, my match with Aries a couple of weeks ago gave yeah. me a different layer. Absolutely, you know what I mean. It gave me a, a, a main event match. Mm-hmm. I, I want to have different opportunities to show different layers of what I can offer. And it was such a really interesting match, too, you and Aries. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, you don't get to see Aries work with, with bigger guys like you. I thought it was cool to see how yeah. he approached that bout. I thought it, it did a lot to show you guys both in, in different light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, now, <laughs> we were talking – I asked you a little bit about who was helping you backstage. You, you brought up Sanjay. Uh, I wanted to ask you about um, – just kind of a little off the beaten path here while I've got you a couple more minutes – Don Callis did this thing at a show recently where he cut this really heated promo on Kenny Omega. Now it wasn't it wasn't an impact, but do you think that that's something that would would bring a, an element to Impact Wrestling? Are you interested in, in managerial backstage characters coming into the product? I mean, uh, that'd be great. 
I mean, the more business, the better, right? I'm asking you. Yeah, obviously you agree. I just thought it was, you yeah. know, we haven't seen Don bring it into Impact yet, but it, it certainly got a reaction from the internet community. That's why I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on it. I mean, uh, bring it in, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, a uh, lot on the horizon here for Impact. Uh, you're heading off to Vegas now for the next set of Impact TV uh, tapings. What are your expectations here to go down in Vegas? What are you looking to do? I just want to prove myself. Every, 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 every set of tapings, every episode that I'm in, I just want to be able to prove myself and, and show a different layer of what I can offer. Absolutely, yeah, and that I'm guessing would also include the homecoming pay per view. That was a big announcement uh, coming yeah. out of BFG, uh, beginning of next year. Uh-huh. For you, going to the asylum in Nashville, that's, how's that feel? That's that's insane. Honestly, like you before I got into the business, I when watching you know you know TNA at the time, you know like that building is you know like ingrained in my memory for this company. So the fact that I'm going to be able to to perform there and um you know tables turn you know what i mean it's 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 crazy yeah absolutely do, do you have any do you have any fond memories of classic tna matches that uh have inspired you a cage match with elix skipper there was a cage match where he ran across the cage and he did the um the hurricane rana like the the the, the moment like I, I, I'll never forget that. I remember watching it and and my mind being blown. Yeah. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, there's so many classic moments that have happened in the asylum. Uh, I'm excited to see you in that space again. Like Impact is just on. You know, it's hitting a clip right now. I mean, I, I'll kind of wrap up here by saying, I mean, how does it feel for you to be in it right now? I feel like Impact has been through so many generations, good and bad. This certainly stands out right now as its own iteration, and you get to be a part of it. It's just it's just an honor, man. It's it's crazy. Um I, I just it it's it's amazing to see it flourish when everybody at one point didn't believe in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it it's 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 awesome. Yeah. It, it's amazing to be part of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the fact that there's there's always room to grow. You know what I mean? It's always a bright future for, for impact. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, Johnny Impact, is he going to win Survivor? I hope so. I'm pulling for him. <laughs> Wins a million dollars, may not be the champ anymore. May go retire somewhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much to all of our guests. Follow Mick, PCO, and Jimmy, you, again, let's get to it. You said that PCO is kind of a controversial figure. Why do you say that? Just just because I think he 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 intentionally pushes buttons. And especially in a, in an age where, you know, it's hard to, you know, f- fans that, especially the, that attended the shows that he goes to, because, you know, basically it's, it's more the independent circuit. They're the hardcore fans. They're the ones that are harder to convince that, uh, you know, the character you are in the ring is, is an extension of you. And he's believable that way with his language, with his mannerisms, with how he performs, with the, with the, outright violence that he does in the ring. So uh, he's a little bit different from everybody out there, and and it's working for him right now because he's one of the hottest and most sought-after guys on the independent circuit right now. Now, I've heard that Shawn Michaels – I basically heard Shawn Nash, maybe the click, did not get along with PCO. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, I may may or may not have witnessed a few uh, <laughs> run-ins with uh, the Click and PCO in Quebec uh, way back in the day, but now and yeah, I, yeah, can, for another day. <laughs> now I heard I heard there was like a, a situation, and I didn't ask him about this in the interview, but I'll ask you because you're Canadian and you worked at WWE for a long time. I heard that he didn't want to uh, lose to Nash up in Canada. And Nash did not take kindly to that, and there was like a physical altercation in the ring over that scenario. Uh, to 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 make a very long story short, there is uh, pretty much accurate that he didn't want to. It was Montreal, Quebec, okay. and he didn't want to lose in Montreal. Um, so basically, they had worked it worked it out uh, that they would do a count out finish, and we were in Quebec City the next night, and he didn't mind doing the honors in Quebec City for some reason. I don't know what the difference is. I guess Montreal's his hometown. Yeah. Anyways, long story short, Kevin is Kevin is really chill. Uh, it doesn't take it, it takes a lot to get him riled up. And Sean was a little bit of a disturber back then, so I think he stirred the pot a little and got Kevin a little riled up. Sean Michaels, but the right? next Sean Michaels, yeah, not, not Waltman. Yeah, yeah, not 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 present day Sean Michaels. This is you know back then, click Sean Michaels, which is a little little different than today. But anyways, he stirred uh, he he stirred Kevin up, and then the next night. Uh, uh, in Quebec City, uh, a move from the top rope by PCO went a little bit wrong, and he kind of landed on Kevin's face, and Kevin got hot, and man, it was it was not pretty. I heard Kevin just beat the snot out of him. Is that accurate? I, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, and then and then we had the show in the the locker room afterwards. Uh, from sitting there, just from what I remember, Kevin was sitting in a chair, came to the back, he was all like, "Okay, I'm done with this, whatever." And PCO came in, you know, like ready to ready to go, <laughs> and, but not really. I think it was more show than anything. I didn't think he wanted to go, but that's just my observation. I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he thought he was over, right? He was like, why would I, lo- why would I lose to you? <laughs> that's my PCO you know, question. It's a Canadian thing. Nobody in Canada wants to lose in Canada. They're proud, proud Canadians. Exactly. All right, let's let's wrap it up here. Let's talk a little evolution. I like to have some kind of nice talking point where we can relax here at the end of the show, Jimmy. We don't need to go match by match here. It's uh, I think it's going to be a seven-match card with the NXT Women's Championship. I believe the UK uh, Championship will also be on the line. That may be announced tonight as just uh, after we're recording. Um, but there's a... I don't know. That's uh, there's there's some big bouts here. We'll start with the uh, the battle royal here. There were some women that that sounded out on Twitter. They weren't happy about a battle royal match being on the being on the show. Um, it's for a future women's championship opportunity. I don't know. What I don't. I gotta slow this down. What's your take on Evolution in general? Are you excited about the show? Um, somewhat. I mean, I'm glad they've finally gone in this direction. I think the you know no choice the way everything is being built and especially. Uh, you know, on the heels of the the Crown Jewel event in in Saudi Arabia, having two shows there, obviously the women not being able to perform on those shows. I I knew this was I, not new. I don't want to say I knew, but I had a feeling this was coming sooner or later. Uh, I'm okay with it. I mean, just it just I don't know why for some reason for me it 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 doesn't feel like the big deal it should be. It's because it's bad, bad placement, man. The Roman news and this crown jewel thing, it's like third yeah. in line, and the other two in front of it are sad. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, it's it's an unfortunate piece of timing for, for Evolution. And as far as the Battle Royal goes, it, isn't that kind of like 
didn't we have that at the Royal Rumble last year, the first ever women's Royal Rumble, and the winner gets a title shot? Isn't this sort of the same thing? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it just, it does, it is. It, it, this just kind of all feels a little thrown together. I mean, but at the same time, it doesn't. I mean, they were they announced the end of the May Young Classic Finals, I guess, is going to be on the show, too. The UK thing was, was teased, but that's just such a niche audience. I mean, the big matches here that, that have people on the hook, obviously, Ronda, Nikki, Becky Charlotte, which has been great, and then the Trish Lita Alexa Mickey match. You know, there's another six woman match too, but it kind of just got thrown together. There's really just three big bouts here that have gotten a exactly. lot of play. You know. Yep, I agree totally, and 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 obviously, I think Charlotte and Becky will will knock it out of the park, and I'm hoping that they would save that for last. But I doubt that that's going to happen. I think I think Ronda Rousey is going to be the, the the main event with Nikki Bell. I think that match actually might surprise people, but. Uh, we shall see because we, we've seen Ronda uh, perform well so far. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a little bit more of a test. I mean, Nikki Bella doesn't get enough credit, but at the same time, it's not like getting in the ring with someone like a <laughs> like a Charlotte or a Becky Lynch or, or an Oscar or somebody like that. Part of me kind of hopes they keep it short. Part of me hopes it's a not – I don't know about Goldberg-level squash, but part of me kind of hopes that Ronda does just – Jaguar style pouncer, grab her arm and, you know, just be completely well, dominant. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming Brie will have uh, a presence there. Maybe we see a double arm bar. <laughs> she has done that before. You know, it's impressive. <clears throat> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, guys. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in again. Evolution is going to be this Sunday night. Wrestling Inc is going to be your place for it. Uh, it's a 50, 50 shot. I might be on the post um evolution uh live cast over on the wrestling inc youtube channel depending on other people's availability so be sure to tune in there regardless stay with us uh and jimmy where do you want to send people to find you follow you out there right now um you can find me on twitter at at jimmy corderas um i like to have fun on there so please don't take everything seriously on there it's uh, i do it to amuse myself also if you're in canada and you uh happen to subscribe to Sportsnet 360, you can catch myself, uh, Carolyn Sved, Nugnar Gang, and the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, on uh, Aftermath, uh, Tuesday nights at 7.30, right before SmackDown. We're the lead into SmackDown, basically. Yeah. And if if people don't know what it is, it's basically um, wrestling's version of The Talking Dead. That's what we do. It's awesome, guys. Go check it out. Thank you very much again for listening here. I'm over on Twitter, at WinkRebel, W-I-N-C. Man. Went too long. Dried out my throat. At Wink Rebel. Find me over there on Twitter. And uh, I'll be back next week with a big brand new episode of The Winkly as I am every Thursday. And remember, if you wink, you didn't miss it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.